verses 8 through 21, which you can find on page 1591 of your pew Bible. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The grass withers and the flowers fade away, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let us pray. Our Father, we come to you as a people blessed to be called your children, and we pray and we're thankful that you made yourself known to us as the creator of all things and the one and only true God. We know you live in a high and holy place, but you're also with us at this very moment and in this very place. We just pray that your spirit will be with Parker this morning as he brings word uh, of this message of good news and that even the most hardened of hearts uh, will receive the gift, the gift purchased by your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Words that we use a lot. There are certain words that we use a lot um, that we just don't define very frequently. But a lot rides on them. And faith is one of those words. You know, we use a lot of Christian ease, we might say. And a lot of these words we find in Scripture, so we ought to use them. But when we tell other people about Jesus and we don't explain what we mean by these words, it often just leads to confusion. So today I want to look at what faith means. I ran into um, the problem that comes when you're supposed to know what a word means and you don't. When I received back an honors chemistry exam with the big numbers 46 across the top. It was out of a hundred. 
The word is entropy. Uh, Dan Weaver has tried unsuccessfully at several occasions to, just, to tell me what this word means. I had a whole test over it. Uh, and uh, we spent three or four weeks talking about this one word and what it meant. I, I performed problems about this word. I did quizzes and I did okay. And I still, to this day, don't know what it means when I read you this definition. A thermo, thermodynamic quality quantity representing the unavailability of a system's thermal energy for conversion into mechanical work, often interpreted uh, as the degree of disorder or randomness in the system. I still don't know what that means. (laughs) And I took an exam and I did very poorly over it. I had to work very hard to get that grade to a passing grade before the end of the semester. But do you see what I mean? We, we use these words and sometimes we don't know what they mean. And when we, when we don't know what they really mean, when we forget, we just kind of gloss over the fact that we may not fully understand what a word means. Um, there are ramifications. And perhaps one of the greatest of words that we use a lot is faith. Faith is a biblical word. We ought to use it. But sometimes we, in using it, We just speak of a generic faith. We speak of faith just in general without speaking of the object of our faith, which is Christ. Or what faith really is, which is resting upon what Christ has done and receiving what he has done for us, the gift of salvation. Well, As we look at the different responses of people to the arrival of Christ, we looked last week at the angels, and this week we'll look at the shepherds, and next week we'll look at the, the magi, and then we'll look at Herod, and then the sun, uh, Christmas Eve we'll look at our, what will be our response when Christ comes again. Today I think we can learn a lot from the shepherds' response what faith really is, and we can find several of the um, constituent parts of faith of saving faith. Well, you'll remember where we are in our text, I'm sure, from, from Luke chapter 2. Jesus has just been born. Uh, Caesar Augustus had called for a great census of the known world of all of his uh, kingdom, all of his empire. And so Joseph was betrothed to a young girl named Mary. And Mary was probably 13 or 14 years old. She was quite young. She was a virgin, but the Holy Spirit had come upon her as, he, as the ga- angel Gabriel had told Mary he would, and she was found to be with child. And so as this betrothed couple, this pregnant betrothed couple at that, as they traveled together to Bethlehem to be numbered because uh, Joseph was of the, the, the lineage of David, and so they must return to Bethlehem to be numbered there. When they arrived, they found nowhere to stay. The inn was taken. Everybody had come back. It was a hard, all the rooms had been taken. But it seems that maybe a stable owner, uh, maybe a small one we don't know, had extended some sort of hospitality to um, Mary and Joseph, or perhaps they came upon it themselves. We're not real sure. And it was time for Jesus to be born. And so he was born. And to proclaim this good news, um, a herald, a messenger was sent an angelic, an angelic herald or messenger. And this angelic messenger, he, he went not to a, a, a fancy palace or to the head of the Sanhedrin. He didn't go to the chief priest's house. He didn't go to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He didn't go to the local ruler either. Whom did he go to? He went to a group of dirty, smelly shepherds. As we talked about in the children's sermon, these shepherds were not, would not have been well thought of 
Indeed, Christ, during his public ministry, the Pharisees and those in power would constantly be appalled at how much Jesus sought out those, the the sinners and the tax collectors, the Gentiles, those of lowly estate. And yet Jesus just has a love for people who are of low estate, humble backgrounds, who are downcast and downtrodden in society. And so it is to, to such a group as this, that the angel went to proclaim the good news. Now we pick up and we can learn a lot about what it means to have faith, the response of faith from the angels. Their their first response was fear. This was was a response of faith. I, I don't know that this was an ungodly fear. I've never had an angel appear to me and neither had they. And all of a sudden, here is an angel standing in their midst We don't know how far away he was. We don't know if he was uh, in the air or or standing. But we do know he was close enough for them to be afraid. This was not a, a little baby cherubim. This was an angelic warrior. And they were very afraid. And so they certainly would have been comforted by the shepherd's remarks. I mean the angel's remarks. Do not be afraid. Fear not for I bring you good news. Good news of a great joy. But we see with the angels... We see several things about the nature of faith. And the first is that that faith requires knowledge. Faith requires knowledge. You know, we we don't have an an empty faith. We don't have a faith that is based upon nothing. We, We don't have a faith that is baseless. We have an historic faith. It's not a blind faith. There are many things that we accept by faith that we don't understand. But that does not mean that there are not things understandable about our faith. And there's there's certain things that we must know and the shepherds must know in order for them to have true, biblical, saving faith. We won't spend much time here this morning because we looked last week at these three great words of Savior, Lord, and Christ. And here is the one who will come to take away the sins of the world. Here is the Christ, the appointed one, the anointed one, the chosen one, the promised one. And here is the Lord, the Lord God himself. The God-man and a babe and a little infant. But we must know something. We, there are facts and figures we must know about, uh, about the Lord, about our salvation in order to be saved. And, and so we see the, sh- the angels revealing certain elements to the shepherds. But you know that's not enough. That's not enough, is it? It's not enough to have knowledge. And, and the shepherds go beyond knowledge. See, there comes a point when we learn something that we must make a decision or act upon it or not act upon it. We must make a personal response. I'm sure I'll I'll date myself, not as an old man, but as a very young man, to tell you that uh, I was in college during Katrina. And uh, as I was, uh, we had just started school. um, And we found ourselves in a ramshackle old house on 12th Avenue. Now, this is one of those homes that uh, should have been condemned, that, you know, they rent to students. And let me tell you something, it was condemned immediately when we, when we moved out. I guess they wanted to get that last uh, rent check before they condemned it. There were five of us living in a three-bedroom home. There's nothing uncommon about that. But, but one of these bedrooms actually was a laundry room. And so one of uh, the roommates didn't have a door to his room. Um, however, I paid $135 a month in rent. So it's amazing what you can put up with. Uh, but you know, as we were told that there would be spin-off tornadoes, 
Spinoff tornadoes as uh, the hurricane came through, the remnants thereof. And so we knew about this. And so everyone had to make a personal response about this knowledge. The knowledge had been received. We all got the message. And now we had to make a personal response about what we would do. And so there were five of us. And there were, there were five different responses, or rather four. I was in the basement with, uh, with one of my roommates. Once we heard the tornado sirens going off. I love bad weather, but I also take it seriously. One roommate was standing in the open doorway to the outside and really excited about seeing a tornado. And the other two were just hanging out as if nothing had gone wrong, even when the power went out. See, we received the information and we had to make a personal response regarding it. And when it comes to faith, faith is a personal response to information. Christ has come, the Savior, the Lord he has come. And we must do something with that information. We, in fact, we must do something out of information each and every day. There comes a time when we must act. To, to their credit, the shepherds here, they acted quickly. They went with haste. But I love how one commentator, William Hendrickson, he wrote this about this text. He said, this is always the critical time. What the shepherds should do had been clearly implied But will they do it? The minister has delivered the sermon. Will the listeners, including himself, take it to heart? The doctor has prescribed medication. Will the patient follow his prescription? Knowledge had been imparted and it was time for a personal response. And the shepherds responded in a saving, in a faith-based way. They, They did this. We read this in 15 and 16. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This word haste means to hurry, to go quickly, but it implies eagerness. If you're sick, you go in haste to the doctor, not out of a desire to see the doctor and to receive you know, what may be painful treatment. You, you go because you desire to be well. This was a, a haste that came from a loving joy. We must go and see this thing that has been told us by the angels, by the Lord, actually, the text says. They went with haste. Do we hasten to the Lord? Not just in salvation, but each and every day when things go wrong, when things are hard, when things are good, when we ought to be thankful. Do we hasten to the Lord? Run to him in faith. So so faith faith requires knowledge and it requires personal response. And and this means that it's not the personal response of your neighbor or your friend or your family member, your spouse, your husband, your wife, your child, your parents, your cousin. It doesn't matter if you have a preacher in the family. I've heard that one a lot. It has to be a personal response. Have you made this personal response? But here's the thing, we can't do it on our own. We can't actually respond at all to the Lord. It must be from the Holy Spirit working inside us. If you were with us Wednesday night, we talked about how the role of the Spirit is to enable us and to persuade us to turn to the Lord. He enables us and persuades us to turn to the Lord. Indeed, even the faith with which we turn to the Lord Jesus, even that is a gift. We find that from the beginning to the end, our salvation is not of us. It is from the Lord. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. 
not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This gift of God refers to the faith. Even the faith is not a work. Even the faith has not come from us. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Has the Spirit quickened your heart? Is the Spirit poking and prodding you even now? My friends, do not tarry. Do not wait. There's that great hymn, If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. See, we read that these shepherds, after hearing this good news, they went, they didn't wait. What if they had waited? Would they have come at all? Would they have gone? Would they have gotten busy? Oh, that sheep, he looks sick. I better take care of him. Or don't you hear the sheep in the background? The sun's coming up. We, can, we have to be out in the fields. Is there something that's keeping you from turning to the Lord? Either in salvation or in life, a situation, a sin, a problem, a temptation that is keeping you from going to the Lord. The knowledge is there that he welcomes those who are weary and downcast, those who are truly sinful, those who have real problems. The information is there. What will you do with it as the Spirit pokes and prods your heart? Well, this faith... It requires these things. It requires knowledge and a personal response. And both of these things require the work of the Spirit working in our heart. But, but true faith, saving faith, as we see in this text, it will produce something. It will change us. It will not leave us the way that it finds us. Because see, faith, the Spirit comes into our hearts. He indwells us. He invades. He gives us new hearts. He takes out our, our cold, stony hearts and he, he rips them out and he puts a new heart of flesh in us that beats after the Lord and enables us to follow him and to love him and to call upon him in faith. When the Spirit comes into our heart and He transforms us, it's like getting a new engine in a dead car. It's like the heat in a hot air balloon that makes it rise. It's like the perfect mixture of fuel and air in a carburetor that turns its pistons. We are not simply the same. And so saving faith produces in us, as we see in this text, three things, many more, but three things. The first is it produces action. See, see faith, uh, um, good deeds, they don't save us. Faith, Christ alone rather, grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. This is what saves us. Jesus saves us. But saving faith, as we learn in, in James chapter 2, it leads to good works. A, a heart that has been changed will not remain the same, and you'll be able to tell from its fruit. We see this in this text. As they go, they go in haste, they hurry. It was saving faith that that caused the Apostle Paul to take the gospel message all over the Roman world. It was faith in Christ, it was the power of the Spirit that caused Martin Luther when the emperor stood before him and said, you must recant of everything that you've written that, that man just has to believe in Christ to be saved. And Luther asked for a night, he said, let me think and pray. Because he knew if, he's, if he did not recant, they would kill him. So he came back the next day and he said, Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. It was saving faith that caused William Wilberforce to work for three decades to abolish the slave trade in the British Empire. True saving faith leads to action. It also leads to proclamation. We see this in verses 17 and 18. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. We're not sure who the all is here, by the way. We don't know. 
It has to be more than Mary and Joseph because Mary is going to be talked about in the next verse. This is more than just Joseph. He's not an all. He's a person. He's a one. And so we don't know who the all is here. Maybe there were more people there at the stable who'd come to check on, on baby Jesus. Maybe the, the all were the people that they had seen as they went to the stable to see Jesus. We don't know, but the shepherds could not keep it quiet. For long, God's people had waited for a savior and the Christ and the Lord. And here he was and they could not hold it in. And they told everyone and everyone marveled. They wondered at what had happened. Proclamation flows from a heart that has been changed. We cannot keep it to ourselves. If it is such good news to us, how could we keep it to ourselves? It is how people are saved. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And God uses his people to tell others about Jesus. that They too might be changed and have faith in Jesus. It was faith that caused the Boswells to head overseas to work with Wycliffe to bring God's word to unreached people groups. It was faith in Christ that caused Chuck and Waima to leave comfortable pastoring work this side of the, of, the, of, the, of the pond and to go over overseas to reach a sensitive people group in Europe. It was faith that caused Nono and Kate Beale to lead a, leave a very, um, very good business, honestly, in Montgomery and head to Mexico to start a ministry to the deaf. It was faith in Christ that caused Kate, Chris and Katie Gill to minister to PTSD veterans and those with moral injury. It was faith that caused Bradley to leave a very thriving family business and Sarah Cordell uh, as a wonderful NICU nurse to head over to Ukraine with their children to a country that was as well familiarized with war. Why? To proclaim the gospel. Because faith had welled up in their hearts, Christ had welled up in their hearts, the Spirit had transformed their hearts and it led to action and it led to proclamation and finally it leads to worship. How could we not worship our God for what he has done in our hearts? And this is what the uh, the, um, shepherds do as well, as we see in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen as it had been told them. Can you imagine the conversation that the shepherds must have been having amongst themselves as they headed home? I mean, what had they just seen? They'd seen an angel, and then lots of angels, and then the Savior, the Lord. And now it was time to head back. The, the, the sun was breaking. It was time to go take their shepherds out, or their sheep out to, the, out to the grazing fields. And as they returned, they praised and glorified God. Saving faith is a work of God's free grace in our lives. He takes cold, hard, stony hearts, And he convinces them of their sin and their need for Jesus. The Spirit makes us love Jesus and gives us the ability through saving faith to rest upon Jesus for our salvation and to receive the gift that he offers to us freely in the gospel. It all started on the day of Jesus' birth, but it was not done there. It wasn't even done on the cross. I think we can say it was done on resurrection day when Christ was raised from the dead. You know, for those of you who don't know Jesus, may today be the day of saving faith. He has come. You have received this knowledge today and may your personal response, enabled by the Holy Spirit, be to to lay hold of the claims of Christ. Lay hold of Jesus. Come close to your Savior. For those of you who do know Jesus, I pray that you would do as Mary did. 
that you would treasure up all these things, pondering them in your hearts, that it would grow you in Jesus, even as we look to the second advent of our Savior. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that you're sending Jesus again one day. And even as we read in Luke 18, will the Son of Man find faith on earth? May he find it in our hearts as your Spirit works amongst us. So we pray, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. For our concluding hymn, I invite you to turn to 145, O come all ye faithful. Come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exultation. Oh, sing, all ye bright host of heaven above. Glory to God, oh, glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory again. appearing oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him Christ the Lord Amen as a reminder after the benediction we'll have a congregational meeting If you are a member, I'd ask you to stay. If you're a regular attendee or visitor, you're welcome to stay. Though we'll have a few minutes for you to leave if you'd like to. So now receive the Lord's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen.
are, sir. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, 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 well, as moderator of the session, the congregation, I'll call this congregational meeting to elect new officers to order. Uh, we need to open our time in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the opportunity to meet with you, to worship. Father, I pray that you would bless us now as we seek to uh, do the work of your church. Uh, guide us, Lord, by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Our first step would be to uh, nominate and elect a clerk. Are there any nominations for clerk of this congregational meeting? Jack. All right, Sean McCracken's been nominated. Are there any other nominations? All right, we'll close nominations. Uh, all those who would like to elect Sean, uh, Jim McCracken to serve as clerk of this meeting, say aye. All those opposed, say no. It's unanimous, Mr. Clerk. Congratulations. Um, all right, uh, Mr. Clerk, I, I do believe from a, a quick count, we have about 55 or 60 um, voting members here today, so I believe we have a quorum. Okay, quorum has been established. Having established uh, a quorum, we'll now vote. You'll find that hopefully you have a ballot. Does anyone not have a ballot that needs one? We also have some pencils. Anybody need a, something to mark your paper with? We'll take blood, but we pres- prefer um, pencils. Uh, so you'll find that uh, this is a pretty straightforward ballot. We have three men who are up for office. Mike Godwin is up for the office of ruling elder. Uh, Ray Williams is up for the office of deacon, as well as uh, Colby Langham. Each men uh, can be voted for. You can vote yes on all. Uh, we have slots for everyone. Uh, each man must, re- must receive uh, at least uh, 50% uh, of those voting to be duly elected. So if you'll do your duty, and then if you'll pass your ballots back to the middle aisle, uh, the deacons will come and collect them. Then I've asked the chairman of the diaconate and our clerk to to count those, or their designees, designees. And I should have said you have to be a member to vote. So if uh, anybody's voted is not a member, might be a good time to declare that. And for several of our uh, young men, this is their first time to vote. So congratulations. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, until then, um, we're going to sing uh, 125, Joy to the World. So if you'll please take your hymnal and we'll um, stay seated as we sing 125, Joy to the World. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. 
I've got a quick anecdote to tell you. Um, you know, it's good that our Savior doesn't change terms like a certain cable company. Um, I won't tell you the name, but uh, it's Mediacom. And uh, I called uh, last week to turn off our cable. It's gotten a little expensive. It goes up every month. I don't know why. It, you know, we didn't want things, and they put them on there anyway, and we ended up spending a lot of money. And so uh, I called them to get it to turn off. Now, you know that they're going to offer you the best deal in the world to keep you going. And so they finally offered me less than half of what I was uh, paying. I was saying, this is pretty fantastic. But I said, I've got to pray about it and talk to my wife before we do this. Because it's a two-year contract. And they said, okay, you can call back. So I talked to Christy, and I called back not 15 minutes later. And the offer had expired. <laughs> because they knew I was interested. <laughs> now here's the thing, where do I go with that? Jesus doesn't change the terms of the contract. Jesus doesn't take away the offer. Jesus doesn't change things when we think we're doing right. He does not change things when we are trying to, to, uh, to walk according to his word. Uh, he is the same yesterday and today and forever. Um, he's not a moving target. So praise Lord that Jesus isn't like Mediacom. <laughs> so. I'm out of anecdotes. Turn into page 134 and sing it with us. <laughs> <laughs> 